And so finding Nacho has been on par with like having a, a an, an impressive breastfeeding journey. Now <laughs> I feel like our future is set. Like our success is is set. You're listening to the Nacho Kids podcast, where we discuss all things step family related, real stories, real people, real help. Your hosts are the creators of the Nacho Kids Method and the Nacho Kids Academy Step Family Coaching Team, Lori and David Sims. Welcome one and welcome all to episode 222 of the Nacho Kids Podcast. That's right. I must add a disclaimer in this episode. There is mention of suicide. All right. So now that that's out of the way. Yeah, because you just mentioned it. What? David. <laughs> See what I put up with, folks. See what I put up with. <laughs> All right. Don't mess with me, David Sims. Don't mess with me. Our guest today is stepmom Jen. Not the gin you drink, but many stepmoms do. She has been blending for five years. She has three stepkids. From two different bio moms, and she has two hours kids. Man, if your name was Jen, I would change my name to Juice. <laughs> That's like the lady that lives in front of us. <laughs> Her name's I'm a Jean. <laughs> and it cracks me up all the time because I say, I'm a shirt, I'm a <laughs> pants, I'm a shoes. Yeah. Poor thing. Poor thing, I'm a Jean. Now, David, listen to this, okay? Her stepkids are 26, 24, and 15. Mm. Her bio kids are three and one. Ooh, law. Talk about her partner starting over. Mm-mm. Man, it was tough for me to, to look at you and thinking, you know, my kids were, what, eight? My, the triplets were eight. Jackson was three. I'm like, I'm going back five years. This is like a five-year reset. I can't do this. But then you wrote me in. You fell in love with sweet angel Lori. Yep, you're right. I fell in love. Fell in something. I don't know what it was. <laughs> that reminds me of the Princess Diana, Prince Charles thing. So when Prince Charles and Princess Diana were engaged, somebody interviewed them. And... The person asked if they were in love, and Diana said, of course. And Charles says, whatever in love means. <laughs> okay. You got to give that lady some credit. Yeah, because you probably would have slapped me in the chest. I'd have punched <laughs> you in the face. <laughs> Ooh, Lord. I'd have broke your nose on TV. Mm. But yeah, that's just kind of crappy. But anyway. Yeah, I don't think he was ever the romantic. No, he was in love with that other lady, the Camilla lady. Yeah, Camilla. Yep. Anyway, for all our British listeners. <laughs> yeah, y'all know a lot more about this than we do. <laughs> yep. If I said it wrong, don't get mad at me. I read it off of the internet. <laughs> One thing Jen talks about is not being bitter that your role can't be what you thought it would be. I love that. And recently, you and I have talked a lot about expectations. <laughs> Haven't we, though? <laughs> we have, and we're not going to get into it right now, but 
I've got to lower my expectations of people. I do. Yep. I really do. Yep. Mine's already at the rock bottom. (laughs) (laughs) Expectations create resentment. Mm -hmm. So really, by having expectations, you are creating your own misery. Mm -hmm. Yep. I often say. People only hurt hurt you because you have expectations of them that they didn't fulfill. That's right. All right. All right, folks. Let's get to listening. <laughs> Today, we have stepmom, Jen. Hey, Jen. How are you? Good. How are you? Doing good. Come on, girl. Give me some pep in that step today. <laughs> I'm working on it. I done had some watermelon. We're working on it. There you go. So how long have you been blending? Oh, shoots. About five years. Okay. <laughs> you had to think about that? <laughs> I really did. You know, you always time it based on how old the oldest is. Yeah. I was going to say, is it because you're thinking, well, it feels like 130, so <laughs> it's been five. Uh-huh. <laughs> and how many stepkids do you have? Uh, Three. Three total. And how old are they? Uh, 26, 20, 24, and 15. Oh, wow. There's a big age gap there. There's there's two age gaps. We have three different generations in this family. Are the three stepkids by the same bio mom? They are not. Are not? How many bio moms you got in the picture? Two. Okay. And how many hours kids do you have? Because you don't have kids of that you brought into the relationship, but you've got hours kids, right? Right. We're two two hours kids. Hours children, we like to call them. And how old are they? Because kids are baby goats. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and how old are your children? They just turned three and one. Wow. Yeah, so two, three different generations we got here. Yeah, one right in the middle. It's pretty exciting. Yeah, it's definitely interesting. Hey, <laughs> no lack of interest over here. Yes. Are you married? Sort of, like common law married. Okay. So you met your partner, mm-hmm. and he had three kids. Mm-hmm. Were you reluctant to get into a relationship? With someone that I had was kids? not. You know, I've always been this person that felt like I can handle anything, you know, even Ohio. Let's go to Ohio. I mean, you know, <laughs> and so <laughs> I even went to Ohio. You hear me? I hear you. You went to Ohio, girl. <laughs> I can't believe it. And so I was not hesitant at all. Like, not at all. You could not tell me that a blend was not po- as possible as any other part of a relationship. You just thought it was normal. I thought it was normal for everyone else. I never thought I would be in a blend, Mm -hmm. but I think the older I got, the more I was like, oh, well, you know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) This is going to happen. This is it. Yeah, definitely. So you get in this blend Mm -hmm. and you meet the kids. Mm -hmm. So at the time, the kids were 21, 19, and 10 about. Yes, ma'am. You got it. All right. And... What was it like when you first met them? It, you know what it felt like when I used to work in the in outdoor education in the forest. The children when you when they come to the forest, they're always like a blank slate. Mm-hmm. And then after just a week with you, you know, that's all it takes is a week with a cool stepmom. You know, they're ready to do science experiments and they want to go out in the forest and in the dark 
And so when I first met them, that's what they reminded me of, these children in the forest that were just like, I have no idea what's going on here. And then in my infantile mind, I was like, we're going to sing, we're going to dance, <laughs> we're going to do some science experiments. Welcome to Camp Jen. Welcome to Camp Jennifer. <laughs> and it didn't go that way. No, not at all. Why? Mm-mm. I think because, oh man, I watched the wrong shows. No, I think because when, when, when people like, like me, people who are trained in traditional relationships come into a blend, we come in like head first in, in a way that is just not healthy. And it's, it's too much for little people. Now I will say for the oldest daughter, she was very different. The first time I met her, she was like, oh my God, I've been waiting for a female mentor. Oh my gosh, I've been waiting for a woman to show up in my life and help me navigate this thing Uh called life or what have you. And so there was, there's being that we have such a difference in generations, there was definitely different responses in the family. But the 10 year old was definitely like, uh, what do you know about Fortnite? You know what I mean? I don't know. I don't (laughs) <laughs> you said there's two bio moms involved. Mm-hmm. Well, no, there are not two bio moms involved. There are two, but they're not involved. Are either one of them involved? So one of them, I, I don't think she is. I, the other one definitely is is not. Okay, so you don't think that the bio mom to the older kids is involved? Exactly. Exactly. I was going to say, how do you not know, but they're older? That's why. (laughs) Yeah, because they're older and they haven't, only one of them has lived with us. And as far as I know, she's gone, you know, out of the picture. And they are now sort of settled in with their maternal side. So they actually live with their grandmother on their maternal side. But as far as I know, their mother is not involved with them. Um, don't talk about her. Yeah. So when you came into the relationship, bio mom wasn't in the picture. None, none of the bio moms were involved. And that's why your oldest stepdaughter's like, thank God, a woman. Exactly. A woman that's not whichever. Yeah. So did your relationship with your oldest stepdaughter, did it stay in a good place? No, it didn't actually. What happened? <laughs> I don't think anything is wrong. I think that well, one of the things that one of my friends told me not too long ago was that when sometimes when people are used to emotional abuse, when they grow up with it, it's difficult to navigate when someone really loves you. Yeah. And so for my oldest, when she lived here and the baby was born, there was this awkward time period. And for the longest, dad and I felt like, oh, you know, it's you, dad. And I said, hey, when are you going to talk to me? I'm going to talk to her. I'm going to talk to her. You know, and then out of nowhere she she explained that she felt like it was it was my fault that that she left and that shit and so I thought that was kind of interesting it kind of surprised me and dad because we all assumed it was him that (laughs) okay (laughs) and so and I don't think that she necessarily feels that way again because this this child is super sensitive she's very intuitive she very much wants guidance, right? right? But I think it's hard for her to pass with both of her parents who have kind of shown her a different a different path. And then here I come, completely different, right? Yes. Completely different culture, completely different, whichever. 
And then one of the things that I expressed to her, not out loud, but in my heart was, you know, I don't mind bonus daughter. I don't mind if you blame me for the relationship with you and your dad. If that helps you heal and and, and go through your process, then that's what it's going to be for now. Right. Yeah. Let me understand. She moved out and you thought it was because she was mad with dad or didn't like dad. Yeah. Or things didn't work out. So Yeah. Because he's like passive aggressive sometimes or whichever, you know. Yeah. And then you found out it was you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, how did you find out it was you? She sent a message to her dad with my name on it. Oh. Dear daddy, I love you. The reason I left was mean old Jennifer. Send her this message when you can. Wow. And all I, t- I just told her I love her because that's one of the things that I've learned from Nacho is like, and you know, I think mom taught me this as well. If you don't have something nice to say, don't say nothing. Yeah. Don't say nothing at all. I just let her know I love her. Yeah. I remember when we were seeing Dr. Butler and he said, five positives, one negative. That love bank thing. You've got to have yeah. five positives to one negative. And so I remember thinking, I have nothing positive to say to these kids. And that's sad. That's how bad of a place I was in. Yeah. I don't know if I'm there anymore because I think the more that I practice this super radical theory, <laughs> right? The more I, it's super radical, Lori. And I really appreciate, and it's like the dirty little secret. But the more I practice it, the more I realize that I can't blame them for anything that's happened to them or any, you know what I mean? Yeah. Everything that, that they're doing or saying or feeling is sort of a regurgitation of this confusing, you know, childhood that they've had. And so that's why I don't, I don't mind her. It's not that I don't have anything positive to say. It's that the the inner Tina Turner in me wants to be like, listen. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Listen. Yep. And like sing a whole song about it. Uh-huh. Well, I know with me, when I was in the midst of us struggling so badly, I didn't see what the kids were going through. All mm-hmm. I saw was my own yeah. hurt and my own struggles. And we always grow up here and kids are resilient. Kids are resilient. They might be in a lot of ways, but that doesn't mean that not having a mom present or their parents splitting up or a parent dying doesn't affect them because it does. Mm-hmm. And even if you've got both parents present and you've got a kid going back and forth between homes, that's mm-hmm. a lot to deal with, too. Mm-hmm. And children are resilient, but it doesn't it doesn't exempt them from trauma. And I only know this from watching the one and the three year old and the difference in just the two of them. You know, Miss Three has broken her leg at about one or two years old. Uh-uh. And to me, Lori, that was a traumatic experience that's gotten in the way of, for example, potty training. Right. right? Yeah. So she's resilient, but she's not exempt. Yes. And I think I missed that for a while with them as well, because you just feel kind of attacked after after the honeymoon phase. You feel like, oh, dang, you know, they're coming after me hard type (laughs) of deal. And so you see everyone the same. Everyone's painted with the same brush. But it is hard to see their struggle in the beginning. It is very hard. And I think sometimes I still struggle with that. Some of those little piddly things that we talk about often. Um, in the group, those little tiny things that don't matter. <laughs> right. They get under your skin. Mm-hmm. Well, and two, you've got a 21-year-old. And the brain, you know, we found out recently, doesn't fully develop to like 28. Hello? 
Yeah. And that don't include any brain cells they've killed in the <laughs> meantime. That they lost in the, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But if you think about it, I got married the first time when I was 20. That should be against the law. <laughs> you should have to at least have your brain fully developed before you can make these decisions. Mm-hmm. I remember saying something similar, but that's funny. Yeah. So when we talk to these kids, even when they are 21, 22 years old, and they're doing stupid things that we consider stupid, we need to remind ourselves, technically, they're still growing. Mm-hmm. And also, a lot of the stupid things they do are things that they can learn from. Mm-hmm. So it's not always best to protect them from everything because they need to learn this stuff. When we're not here, they need to be able to handle situations. And it's just such a different relationship, Lori, when we're talking about bonus babies. It's just so different to to watch them grow and to watch them develop from your your starting place and then piecing together the stories and and so, and that's why I appreciate the idea of, of detaching so that you can reattach in a way that is actually healthy for everyone because we're just piecing together their story, the story of these children. And so right. it, it's like, it's almost worse than piecing together your partner's story. <laughs> yes. Cause there's a yeah. lot more to their story than your partner's. Oh my gosh. And then you hear something, you'd be like, I don't know if you, <laughs> <laughs> you never said that before. Why you never tell me about that? <laughs> mm-hmm. So what about stepdaughter 24? She has gone back and forth between maternal side and paternal side. She's the one who was here when we met and moved out when the baby was born. And again, you're talking about development. You know, the our first baby is a girl. And I think even at 20, how old was she? 21? Mm-hmm. When the baby was born, even at 21, I think there were still some rough feelings about <laughs> I'm the baby. A baby, another baby girl coming in. And so even for me, just watching, I'm still processing like, oh, what did that feel like for you? Right. Was that what you were running from? Or and so she goes back and forth. She also has a brother on her maternal side who I believe has Down syndrome. And so she is oftentimes a caregiver for him. And that's something else. You know, we don't talk about that a lot, too. But she's dealing with helping a sibling that has Down Mm -hmm. syndrome. Mm -hmm. That, and I'm not saying anything negative about people with Down syndrome or any disability at all, but it's a challenge that she is having the responsibility of help take care of this child. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's a lot to put on a child. That's why she ended up here in the first place, because her dad wanted to try to help her have a better life here. But then being here wasn't easy either. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I want to talk more about being a step-grandma here in a minute. (laughs) (laughs) But what about stepson 15? Mm, So much. (laughs) We have him full-time. He is one of the most calm quiet children I've ever met in my entire life. Really? Oh my, I've never met anyone this sedated in my whole life. Yeah. Hey, you want to smile a little bit or no, not so much. Mm -hmm. 
he he as far as I know he's had a lot of a lot of trauma but he is how, how do I describe him he's just so persistent he one brother and so both both siblings responded differently to having a girl the first time so nobody was happy no <laughs> no one was happy with having a girl the first time and he said I wanted a brother so that's all right we're gonna try again get you a brother <laughs> Just for you. <laughs> and we got one. We got him a brother. Okay. It was probably an accident, but <laughs> it has been interesting to see him come out of his shell because of baby brother. His first word was brother's name. Oh. And I've never seen that look on his face before, ever. You hear me? Mm-hmm. It was like he woke up. It brought him alive. It brought him alive. And all this time I kept, I was like, well, maybe that's just you. <laughs> yeah. One of the things that I spoke about in the group was that I noticed some things and I wanted to get resources. And as a non-bio parent trying to practice nacho, right, I had to hit my head against the wall a few times to realize that's not my place. Yeah, <laughs> That's not my place at all. And it's not easy. And it's not easy. Oh, yeah. my God. Like advocating for a child in the school district. That's my thing. You hear me? Mm-hmm. All day, every day. I will go up against the whole school district just for you. Yep. But it not dumb stepkids. No, it doesn't apply. Right. It does not cross apply. And the thing is, it's not like you don't care about these kids. And that's where I think a lot of the confusion comes in with the nacho thing because – it's not like I wish the kids were dead. I mean, that's bad. Now, there was a point that I wish that they would go to their moms and not come back. <laughs> <laughs> but that's Somebody. different. Yeah. But most people, we will say, have these maternal instincts. And like you said, you come in, you're all gung-ho, full force, going to make the world a better place, captain save a kid. And then you're like, wait a minute, this isn't working. This is Causing me too much stress. They're not happy. Dad's not happy because nobody's happy. Mm -hmm. And once you realize that, hey, I can be a confidant, a mentor, an adult friend, for lack of a better word, to these kids and not parent them, you realize that's what seems to work best. Yeah, and I think one of the things that I'm learning now, and I'm not I'm not good at it. <laughs> one of the things I'm learning now is to not be bitter about the fact that you can't have the role that you thought you would have. To just not be upset about it, you know, and to just accept that it um it, that it looks different and that it feels different. And so one of the things that I realized the last time we had this tough conversation, because as you know, my family doesn't know you know, my dirty little secret, yeah. <laughs> Nacho method, right? <laughs> and so we have these conversations and it is awkward. There's some, there's some tension because I can feel that you want me to be the bio parent. Right. And mm-hmm. I remember having this epiphany and then saying to, to my partner, I can't be in front of you when it comes to our son. I can't, I can't be um, stepping on your toes and stepping over you and doing things that are going to cause tension between us or doing things that you wouldn't do as a parent, which frankly, I don't know what all those things are still, mm-hmm. right? right? I still don't know exactly how you parent. So I can't step ahead of you like I did in the beginning. Right. And and it's a rough place to be, but it also feels like I'm respecting 
who you are as a parent, because the fact of the matter is I may not ever understand how you parent. Mm-hmm. I may not ever be able to match that. And so it is rough to just continue to accept that I just can't be what I thought I was going to be. And then too, the other thing is too, honestly, Lori, I have no idea how to raise a teenage son. I know I have a boy and it's coming, but it took me to have children come through my womb to recognize, I don't know what I'm talking about. (laughs) (laughs) I have no idea what this thing is. And me before children was so judgmental and really thought I knew all the stuff because I did outdoor education and I did tutoring and I did this. And And it's like, not the same. Yes. It's not the same. Well, and you talk about not being bitter that you can't be in the role that you thought it would be. That's why a lot of times we have to go through that grieving process. Mm. We're grieving the nuclear family that we wanted. We're grieving the relationships with these kids that we thought we would have. Yeah. And the good thing is time changes things. Mm-hmm. And it heals, it heals things, too. Yeah. Most of the relationships with the stepkids will evolve over time. I know one of my stepkids, he's in Germany right now. He's in the Air Force. And we used to talk a good bit more than we do now. And I said something to him about it one day. And he said, well, we really don't have that much in common. Mm. I'm like, well, that was a diss. And mm-hmm. he's like, no, you know, with dad, I can talk about UFC stuff. I can talk about investments. Yeah, don't talk to me about that stuff, either one of them. <laughs> but... You know, he used to talk to me about relationships and stuff. And I think that it kind of hurt me when we weren't talking as much. But I was talking to David about it, and he said, it's a phase. He's in Germany. He's been gone almost five years. He's came home a few times. He's kind of doing his life. And what he sees as his life is what's in front of him, and you're not in front of him. Mm-hmm. And that's what they say about the teenage years, too. And that was part of the grief that I went through is because when the pandemic started. Oh, gosh. Yeah. And bonus son were attached at the hip. We did everything together. And then when when we, when we went back to school, it was like we started over. It was like he didn't know me anymore. And everyone kept telling me, oh, that's how teenagers are. And I'm just like taking it personal. You know, I'm crying almost every day because I'm thinking about all the shows we used to watch together. I used to open up Amazon packages. I would split my packages up so they would be real small. So we get a package every day. So we have something (laughs) to open up together. (laughs) And the Amazon people hate you. (laughs) The Amazon people are like, this woman with these (laughs) tiny packages. Uh And so there is a lot of mourning. There is a lot of grieving. And for me, I think I have the opposite scenario to you because I think that Bonason and I are really close. I think we have a lot in common. And sometimes that even scares me because, again, in, in lieu of not stepping on dad's toes, I'm like, I'm scared to be closer to him than he is to his dad. I am scared. Yeah. Yeah. And that's crazy. Well, but here's the thing. And I've, I've said this a lot lately. You can be a safe place for that child to fall. If he goes to dad and tells dad something bad that he did, dad's going to be disappointed. You may Mm -hmm. be disappointed if he tells you, but it's a different disappointment. Mm -hmm. And no matter how much we care about these kids and love these kids and how much they love us, we are still not the bio parent. And there is a biological connection. 
that can't be dismissed. Yeah. So what is your relationship like now with the stepkids, all of them? I am now officially Facebook friends with both of the oldest. Mm -hmm. Uh, We went to Minnesota for Christmas and had a couple come to Jesus moments. Oldest daughter sent a, you know, hey, I just, (laughs) I just want to say I'm sorry. It's not your fault. And I'm really happy. And and middle daughter, that was my first time meeting her this past Christmas. She was just, again, she a beautiful relationship, beautiful family. So she and I actually have an active Facebook relationship, which is why I say I don't think, but I'm not sure that mom is in the picture because she doesn't come up in conversation. And so we have a, a working friendship. I, I think I can say yeah. that I have a friendship. Middle child, I think that we are growing or changing. Yeah, puberty is a thing. It's a thing. <laughs> yes. Oh, puberty is a thing. And we are working on uh, being like clear with each other, being transparent about how we feel, youngest son and I. Because again, when I say I wanted to get him resources, I was feeling there was a, a developmental thing with son. And as I spoke to people in the education system that are my friends, they would tell me, you know, you have to have different conversations. If you feel like there's something going on, you can't beat around the bush with him. You can't. <laughs> right. You can't say things in a roundhanded way. You have to get straight to the point. And so I'm practicing that. And it's really great practice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> with most people to just say, hey, this is how I feel when you say what to me or Hey, when I make food for you, I want you to know that this is straight from the heart. Right. I'm not making it for you because you're eat, you know, whatever. I'm making it because I love you. And I make sure, like I tell, you know, yeah. if that's the one thing I can do that is the way I thought the relationship would be, that is comfortable for me, maybe not for him as much, right? But it is like one of the few things that I can do and say consistently to him, like, hey, when I do your laundry for you, I want you to know that's pure love because I could care less about your dirty draws. So I need you to know. (laughs) Yep. So we are growing and we're changing a lot and the babies are changing. And so that makes me change. You know, my hormones are changing. Oh, gosh, yes. And so me and middle son are are growing and it's really it's really confusing sometimes. But I think our our best moments are when we're alone. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And we can just kind of, you know, be you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay, I'm confused, which doesn't take much to confuse me. Did you say that you met the the second stepdaughter this past Christmas? Mm-hmm. You had never met her before? Nope. What? She started a family by the, when I met her dad. She already had a family. And how far away do they live? Minnesota. We're in Dallas. Oh, you're not in Ohio anymore. <laughs> So the first time you met her, you have been married to her dad for a while and you've got two kids with her dad. Mm -hmm. That's awkward. It is awkward because and there were some really cool moments where my youngest baby 
took a nap with his nephew who is older than him. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it was the cutest thing. Oh. It was the cutest thing. And I hate y'all don't live closer to where they could be closer. Yeah. Raising babies with other people is like the real village, right? Yes. But you had met the oldest stepdaughter. I had. She was here. Okay. Mm-hmm. She was there. She's the one that moved out not long after. Yeah, the baby was born. Mm-hmm. Which was probably the natural course. Yeah. Well, I read this book a while back, Birthing Order, or The Birth Order, Mm -hmm. whatever it is. And it was very interesting because, talk about if you're the girl and then a boy comes Mm -hmm. versus another girl comes, how that affects you. But also, if there's a five to six year age gap, it's almost resetting So if there's a six-year age gap, well, we'll just say five. My sister, my older sister, was five years older than me. So technically, with her being five years older than me, I have middle child and oldest child qualities Uh because it reset. Uh And with your stepdaughter, Although this baby was 20-something years younger than her, it changed her birth order a little. Yeah. She's still the oldest, Mm -hmm. but it moved her. Definitely. And one thing I found from reading that book was it can change and anybody can be anybody. After I read halfway through the book, I'm like, wait a minute. So I can have oldest and middle, Mm -hmm. and my little sister— five years younger, can have oldest and baby. It's just like there's no definite Mm -hmm. behavior that you can tie to a child in their birth order because there's so many factors and variables. Yeah, and it's it's, uh, crazy. You know, like we talked about before, sometimes we disregard all the things that they're processing and going through, and it's just, it's a lot. Right. It's a lot. Or, you know, in some cases, (laughs) hyper-processing it, and that's what makes you show up guns out in the beginning. At least for me, you know, it's just like, oh, whoa, Nelly, you know, you meet the scars on their body, you know, you see them with their head down, and it's just like, oh, baby, I'm going to fix you Mm -hmm. type of deal. You know what I mean? It's like, no, you just need to chill out somewhere. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, you just, you want to fix things you didn't break. Mm. Now, I've got to ask this. Where are the bio moms in this? Where? Yeah, did they just disappear? Yep. Really? Yeah. It's interesting. And it's so funny. It's so interesting when you meet a man that's a single dad. You just somehow it's such an attractive, <laughs> it's an attractive quality in your naivete. And now it's like, oh man. <laughs> yeah. That's not, that is not easy right there. Yeah, because you're thinking, he's got to be awesome. He's got his kids. You've got it together. Yeah. And then we come in and we're like, you ain't so awesome. <laughs> you sitting there letting her wear makeup and she's only 10 years old. How dare you? Right. Or you'd be like, did you know so-and-so, so-and-so? And they're like, no. <laughs> yeah. They're like, they're like, what is that? Oh, all right. Well. Yeah. <laughs> I always say that when David and I met, I thought he was a good dad because he had his kids 11 out of 14 days, four boys, 
you know, set of triplets in there. And Uh when we would go places, they were pretty much well-behaved. I mean, as well-behaved as four kids together can be. And it's awfully funny, after we got married, I was very judgmental of his parenting. Uh His parenting didn't change. No, but your view of it did. Yes. Which is crazy. That is crazy. Yes. Yep. That is crazy. And a lot of people will say, oh, my gosh, you didn't tell them to brush their teeth? No, I didn't. Uh -uh. That's their dad's job. And it's not Uh that he didn't care if they brushed their teeth or went to bed on time. It's just I was Johnny on the spot. Uh 801, go brush your teeth, wash your face, get your stuff together for school. 845, lights out. Whereas David had more flexibility. And I've noticed here lately, I'm not saying all women, but women are just more aware of what's going on. The details. The details don't. Yeah. Even with our dogs. Mm-hmm. He'll leave the back door open and it's damp outside. Well, what do you think is going to happen with the dogs? They're going to track mud in the house. Yeah. Research is, is helpful because immediately when you say that, I think of left brain, right brain mm-hmm. tendencies. I also think about maybe the way that we carry stress, where we carry it in our body and how it expresses Yes. Because what I've noticed with a lot of men who take on the um, stereotypical role of men, which happens to be who I have, have been with in my re- serious relationships, right? They have a tendency to kind of glaze over things because they carry their stress on their shoulders. They carry it right in front of them. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of causes a blind spot in some ways. Yeah. Have you noticed a difference in how your husband is with the hours kids? I know they're very young. Very much. Very much. It's almost like he's stricter with them already, isn't it? Yeah. he's he. One of the things that caused us to even have children in the first place, and again, this is this like savior mentality, right? Uh-huh. Is, oh, I'm going to give you the opportunity to start over. This is your chance to raise them at like you wanted to in the first place. Oh. Again, savior mentality doesn't take into account that we're still two different people as well. Right. And we still have to figure out this thing of, of balance between two people. And so one of the things that I notice about the the two, three generations is that there is like a like a, a mourning process for him with the other children that hasn't happened with these babies. There's like a acquiescence to what had, you know, their past and the relationships of the past mm-hmm. that makes, I think that makes it easy to glaze over the details like we talked about before, because it's like, well, I didn't, you know, I didn't do that. Their their mothers did that, or I can't fix that. That's That comes from their mother. Or, you know, sort of thing. And mm-hmm. so there's a difference because now I think there's, as you mentioned, there's like some hypervigilance, the two babies. You know, we want to make sure that we don't eat candy. We want to make sure that we don't, you know, do some of the things that, that our children are, are doing now. Right. Mm-hmm. So how long was Bio Mom in the picture with these kids? Do you know? I think the first one for... Maybe maybe about eight years or so. Okay, so the influential ages. The to- the older daughter oldest daughters. And then with middle son up until three years before I came. Okay. So she was there until he was about seven. 
As far as I can tell, he was alone when I met him. But he still has guilty parent syndrome. Definitely. Yeah. Which is normal. Yeah. I mean. It's understandable. I feel it now, even myself, you know, Mm -hmm. I feel it now. Even talking about, you know, the leg break is like, I still feel shame about that. It's funny you mentioned a leg break. Um, A friend of mine's niece broke her leg. So they went to the hospital and. What she said when they left the hospital was, that was fun, Mom. <laughs> yeah, she got, the, got a good nap when we yeah. went to the- <laughs> And then when she got her cast off, she's like, I'm going to miss it. <laughs> they just look at stuff completely different. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But I can't imagine your baby breaking its leg. I can see guilt creeping all over me if that oh, happened. Oh, God, it's everywhere. And then it took us a week to even take her because we kept trying to figure out what it was. Oh, gosh. By the time we took her, she already had a new bone. A oh. week. In a week. I, you couldn't see it. It was like a tear. Oh. Yeah. It wasn't dislocated. So that's like the, the blessing and the curse of noticing the details. It's like now we're hyper vigilant about things that maybe, you know, in hindsight. So what I couldn't hug and kiss by bonus son the way I want to, but at least he knows he has a woman in his corner. Right. He may not have had one before. Exactly. And you never know. He might turn 18 and decide to hug you and say, I love you. Ain't that something? Yeah. Because it ain't happened yet. (laughs) One of my stepkids, God, I love him. It's funny. He's the one that was probably the most misbehaved of all the kids. And not necessarily toward me, just he was rambunctious, wide open. And we always joke that, you know, he was going to have a girl pregnant by the time he was 16 and he was going to be in jail. And um, that youngin, I am so proud of him. He went to the Air Force. He got out. His goal is to be a UFC fighter. He Mm -hmm. is making plans to do that. But when he's here, every morning he'll come down and give you a morning hug and tell you he loves you. Mm -hmm. Every night before he goes to bed, he'll tell you good night and he loves you. And his girlfriend's like, y'all hug every day? He's like, (laughs) yeah. She's like, what's wrong with (laughs) y'all? Yeah, he'd be like, I reach my hand out for this one, and this guy looks at me. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, you know what, though? And it's funny because you learn, again, you learn your own boundaries and then how to navigate around them. Because I remember, you know, I would constantly introduce him to to my village. And and, and again, when, when Corona was around, he went everywhere with me and he would say stuff. I really like listening to women's conversations, right? <laughs> <laughs> and I remember one of my girlfriends just came after him, right? And again, so I'm seeing these awkward tendencies, these antisocial tendencies. And she was like, give me a hug, little man. <laughs> uh-huh. so I'm watching. I'm watching this go down. How's he going to respond? And he just like, you know, accepted it. He didn't run away. And I said, oh, okay. So you don't, you don't mind hugs. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, yeah, I might not mind them, but I don't like them. You don't prefer them. But yes. Okay. So I'm just watching and I'm learning from my girlfriend. She's, yeah, no, I hug. I hug these babies. I said, okay. So maybe if I'm really, really feeling it. <laughs> yeah. I remember David's oldest, when he came back from Japan, he got oh, relocated to um, uh-huh. an Air Force base in state. And the first time I've seen him in several years, and... I hugged him, and it was awkward, I think, for both of us, just because he's not a Mm lovey-dovey. And 
now, if he comes over, sometimes I hug him, sometimes I don't. But mm-hmm. now that other one I was telling you about, Ethan, I'll hug him 800 times a day. <laughs> and that's something else we have to realize. Is that what you want? Yeah, is not. Yeah, you can't apply that to everybody like that. Your relationship with each of these kids is going to be different because they are different people. Mm-hmm. And that's something that we don't necessarily think about when we come into it. We want to paint this super broad brush across everyone. And it's just not, it's not cute. And the same thing with stepmoms. You're painting that brush across stepmoms that, oh, they need to love them like their own and take care of them like their own and all this horse crap. They're not theirs. And they know that. And you can't force it. That's crazy. And that's one of the reasons why I will continue to say that I'm really grateful for this process of shedding, you know, false layers of ego and asking, you know, what really is the truth? And then, you know, where did where did some of these ideals come from so that they can be released for good, right? Like some of these, um, I'm just going to call a spade a spade, Lori, and you can correct me. If it, <laughs> some of these waspy ideals mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that, that have no place in real life. Right. That Brady Bunch notion or whichever, right? Mm-hmm. They, they have no place in, in the nuance of real life. And as you said before, we can see it. We see it almost immediately, but we still fight for the nuclear family and it sets us back. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I am really grateful for a different perspective because I literally have never heard anything like this in my whole <laughs> <laughs> Well, I don't know about you, but it didn't take long for me to realize that I could use it in other areas of my life. Yeah, that is true. It helped me to calm down and not be so reactive and not be so uptight about stuff that wasn't going to matter in five days, five weeks, five months, five years. Yeah. And I bet a lot of the stuff, I know for a fact with me, a lot of the stuff that I flipped out over, none of it matters now. Yeah, and I think a lot of times for me, I keep using the excuse of, postpartum hormones right but I think it's I think it's really gross I think it's and one of the things that my coaches tell me my my business coaches or whatever mentors whatever you want to call they tell me when you feel uncomfortable or overwhelmed that's that's gross that's you growing right? uh-huh. so it's not it, it can't be entirely the hormones because yeah for freaking a we've dealt with hormones our entire life as women right mm-hmm. yes <laughs> They're always moving around. Even in the full moon, we're like, oh, I feel really liquidy right now. Like, I feel <laughs> I feel juicy. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, every freaking full moon, we're drinking water like it's. <laughs> yep. But don't dismiss those hormones and stuff that you're going through with the baby because they are there. They are real. Yeah, we've dealt with hormones, but maybe to a level 10 and yours are at a 14 right now. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, one thing that I, that is really cool about pregnancy, you know, uh, is that, you know, for me, it gave me this weird superpower to be able to see people, to be able to see them for who they are and to be, to like be more in touch with this genuine love mm-hmm. that I may not have had in the family if I did not have have children in the family. So it, it kind of opened opened me up to to see people, right? So now all I need to do is see middle son's face 
and I know what's going on with him, right? And that may just be because we've gotten to know each other. Right. But it feels like pregnancy gave me this ability to to see people. It's starting to fade a little bit, but... <laughs> it, it, I think it opens up your heart. Yeah. This purity that comes through you. Yeah. The yeah. ancestors just swimming all in your stuff, you know? <laughs> They're all up in there just telling you all these weird messages, you know? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, and the baby comes out and you're like, I don't know who this baby looks like. You know what I mean? It's like, no, because they look like a whole bunch of people at the same time. And a bunch of old people at that. A whole bunch of old people. Don't take them around. No old people. because They'd be like, look at that forehead. That's, <laughs> that's your cousin. So-and-so. You know, they just, <laughs> I joke with my partner about that all the time. Cause you know, I call it a frase moreno. This is a black phrase or like, you know, part of our culture. I say, yeah, you know, uh, black people, we know about we know about birthmarks, but we study birthmarks. He said, "Huh?" I said, "Yeah, well, you take these babies around the elders, and they'll tell you exactly who your baby looks like." <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm so glad that you found Nacho and that it's helped you. It really has, and it um, it has been on par with. This is going to sound crazy and really hyperbolic, but it has been on par with finding a lactation consultant. These two things in my life have completely changed the trajectory of, you know, how stressed out I would have been if I thought I was supposed to treat these children like they're my own. Do you know how bent over backwards? I probably would have lost a foot by now. Do you know what I'm saying? I know what you're saying. Finding a legitimate lactation consultant made me, I'm breastfeeding now, a one and a Mm three-year-old. We were done at one month when I found her. I was like, this is not. Now I'm a lactation consultant. Do you hear what I'm saying? Like, Are you? Yes. And I'm not saying that to be like PSA, but I'm saying in the presence of Nacho, now I feel capable of of helping other women navigate this thing that we have never learned in our entire life. Mm-hmm. Yes. We have gone to church two, three, four times a week Yep. to understand, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, And people are still telling us the same thing they told us <laughs> 800 yep. years ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we are walking away like, well, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Makes sense to me. Makes sense to me, but something ain't right. But we can't figure out. We can't call a spade a spade. And so finding Nacho has been on par with like having a, a an, an impressive breastfeeding journey. Now I feel like... <laughs> Our future is set. Like our success is is set. Is that, does that make sense? Oh, it makes sense. Yes. And not that that means that everything's going to be perfect, but it means that you have the tools to deal with those. Yeah, we have tools and we have a relationship and it's not fake. It's a real relationship. We're not steady trying to make pieces fit that don't fit. Right. Yes. Now, like even with breastfeeding, now I'm like, coming to grips with the fact that, listen, I can't do nothing that takes more than two hours. Okay. Mm-hmm. So every, whatever we, we got to, or you're going to see some tea. Somebody <laughs> going to have to figure something out because that's what we're doing right now. And we're doing it till we're not doing it anymore. So I just have to move different. We went to Atlanta for a thing and it was like, oh my gosh, all these pe- single people with no children and they didn't put their children somewhere. And it was just like, no, Jennifer, you just move different. Yeah. You have a different family and you move different. Right. And you don't want to be like anybody else. None of us do. And 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 it's like liberation to recognize 
that our uniqueness is our superpower. Yes. It's so liberating. And I'm so grateful. Yep. You are so right. And I'm glad that you found a lactation consultant to help you. Can you imagine? I've never heard nacho compared to it, but that's great. I love that. (laughs) But also you took, you did like we did. You had a struggle. You found something that worked for you. And now you're helping others. Yeah. And that's awesome. Because I know breastfeeding is not easy. Oh, Lord. Oh, it's not. Even when you got it down, they still bite you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it's also, it's a foundation. Of course, I could stop now, right? And they'd be fine. In fact, you could stop at day three and they still would be, they still would have decent immunities. They might not have asthma, all the stuff, you know, the Mm -hmm. different protections. But it's, I don't know. It's just the thing I'm committed to. And that's one of the things that I appreciate about Nacho as well. It's like when we get to this place where we have the tools and we have the resources. And this is the part of the journey I'm in now where I've become used to detaching. Now I get to find ways to reattach in healthy ways. Yeah, in fun ways. So for me with these babies, breastfeeding is the way that I have a healthy attachment, right? And with bonus babies like okay, it's summer programs. That's something I can I can do and not feel shame about it and not feel like it's a fight and everyone enjoys themselves. And so I'm learning healthy attachments now, right? Right. Yeah, don't try to breastfeed your stepson. <laughs> <laughs> but this has been life-changing and I'm really glad that, that it was something that I found before I got too out of hand, out of pocket, you know? Mm-hmm. That it was something that I found before I became you know, at risk for postpartum depression. I mean, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, the two things are so closely tied together. And and people of the diaspora are at risk for a longer period of time. And without uh, um, a net, without a, a safe place to to learn and to process what a blended family is, I may have like... You know what I'm saying? Oh, Slipped off the edge of sanity. Girl. Expecting and waiting on the family to show up in ways that they're never going to show up. And then you jump on Facebook and you see all these comments criticizing stepmoms because they don't have the relationship others think they should have with their stepkids and all this crap. Mm-hmm. Depression, uh, suicidal thoughts. All that stuff is very high in stepmoms. Mm-hmm. And we're like trying to do everything and feeling beat up on by everybody. Right. Yeah. And then, you know, the divorce, they got the whole divorce situation, you know, and it's like, it's funny because there was um, like a stay at home dad episode on some show and he was explaining how we all feel mm-hmm. <laughs> stay at home. And he told he told whoever right on the show it was like these are the things that people get divorced for this feeling of like being locked out of your own family, this feeling of having no value. Right. These are the things of divorce. These are the things of depression and suicide. And sometimes, and this is what I'm learning in my own business, sometimes having a counselor is just not enough. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you really need people to not sit here and tell you that they are your bio children. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. even the counselor is going to bust with that at some point. Even they're going to be like, well. Yeah. Exactly. You could just give your number to the school. No, I'm not going to do that. No. 
No. Mm-mm. No, you ain't calling me. Because <laughs> I did that already. Oh, no, it wasn't cool. Yep. And then you don't even halfway know what's going on because you're the step parent. Yes. <laughs> they call you and you're like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> I remember, did this ever happen to you, Lori, where you both show up? Oh, God. And like me and the ex? No, you and, and bio dad to the school because they try to call you and get you involved. And now there's like, two. oh no, <laughs> it happened to us a few times. I'm like, okay, so we both at this. <laughs> nope. They never had my phone number except for my son. <laughs> oh my goodness. Jen, tell us what you would tell someone that's getting ready to enter a relationship with someone that has kids. Um, That's a really good question. Because I think one of the things that I was sad about is that no one gave me advice going in. But now that I'm in and I know better and I hear advice, I realize that most of the advice is not <laughs> accurate. <laughs> and so I, I I hesitate to give advice, but I, I will say that uh, it's not going to be as easy as some of the other things that you may have done in your life before. And and that's okay. And that's okay that it's going to be a little bit confusing and complicated and, and emotional because it, maybe that's what it's supposed to be, you know? Well, and like you said, look at the growth that you're experiencing. I cannot tell you how many stepmoms, stepmom coaches that I work with that, or even just stepmoms that I've talked to that have been stepmoms for a while, that we talk about how much wisdom we feel like we have gained through this process. We feel like that, yeah, we've been blending for 10 years, but we've gotten 100 years of wisdom. And we feel like we have went through 100 years of pain. But the things that you're learning and the growth you're experiencing is something nobody can take away from you. No. And it's, and I wasn't, I wasn't this way in the beginning. I definitely was all over the place, but you know, these epiphanies happen, these, these aha moments happen and the picture becomes a little bit more clear. And I think, especially for me, having children come through my body, having this, this man come through my body, like the spiritual side of me knows that this is like a forever bond and so now I don't feel rushed. Mm-hmm. Now I know that this relationship, this family is a long-term thing and we can take our time with it. We can ferment it like it's good wine, right? Mm-hmm. Not bathtub wine. We yes. can take our time <laughs> with it and we can be okay with the ebbs and the flows. Lori, we might still get a divorce. Hot dog. You know what I'm saying? You never know, honey. Because our family's still a family at the end of the day. Right. And that's one of the, you know, one of the things that one of those aha moments is like, we are like really joined now. Mm-hmm. I see every member of this family in these babies. All of the bonus babies, their dad, aunts and uncles. I see them in these babies. I smell them in these babies. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't feel that way in the beginning. I felt rushed. I felt like we needed to represent a certain thing. Right. Right. And so I think for a person coming in, I just would try to 
encourage them to kind of slow down a little bit, you know? It kind of comes with the territory of the honeymoon period. And then that right when it's over, right at the <laughs> mm-hmm. right when it starts to end, there's this weird bittersweet thing that happens. Yeah, but advice is hard because most advice really sucks. Yes. <laughs> most advice really sucks. Even if we're talking about, you know, business or other things, you know, whichever it's like most advice is very arbitrary. But as a long distance runner, it kind of it makes sense to me mm-hmm. to continue to remind myself that it's a long, a long haul. I mean, because when you're running distance, Lori, you're not you're not giving your whole everything. You can you can probably fly if you wanted to, oh, but yeah. you don't have to. Mm-hmm. Yep. Our minds are so crazy powerful. and. Yeah. You can convince yourself that you flew before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You can convince yourself you've climbed Mount Everest and never been anywhere near it. Mm-hmm. You can convince yourself you're an awesome stepmom and that this blend is happy and healthy and not have that resentment. When you have those feelings of resentment, you can stop them. Yeah. And that's really helpful for me because. Those little things that don't matter, they come up all the time. And they're always trying to, you know, they're always trying to get into the, the the freaking material stuff, right? The trash, the dishes, the food, the whatever, mm-hmm. vegetables, like, <laughs> oh, changing diapers, right? Who changes that? I mean, so that is really helpful that that our words are powerful all the way around, because that's that's something that I recently I realized about about myself as well, you know, carrying carrying this sort of superpower, you know, the things. And I don't mean it to sound like um, uh, like a Protestant preacher, but, <laughs> you know, the words that come up, they have life, even if I haven't said them out loud. Right. Mm-hmm. I remember mm-hmm. we got into a disagreement and I, I said in my head, I hope you regret this. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, like, I thought about it and I was like, dang. <laughs> yeah. Dang, I didn't even say it out loud, but I felt it. You might as well say it out loud. Shoot. Because I swear if you think it, you might as well say it. I I mean, mean. you really shouldn't say it, but yeah. (laughs) Hope you regret this conversation, right? Like, (laughs) Yeah. But if you think about it, and it's something that I've tried to teach my son, is the power of words. We Mm -hmm. underestimate it. And... Look at how we talk to ourselves sometimes. Yeah. You know, I started off talking to you saying, yeah, I wasn't a good mom because I didn't play Fortnite with my kid. I shouldn't say those negative things about myself. That doesn't make me a good mom or a bad mom. No, it's not. And that's not how life works. It's not black and white like that. It's extremely nuanced. Right. It's extremely nuanced. If he wanted you to play with him, he would have made that very clear. I'm sure. And I don't even know him, but oh, I'm sure yeah. he would have gave you the controller or bopped you across the head with it, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you'd be like, what the hell? Yeah, he'd be like, play with me. Very simple. Mm-hmm. Then you'd be like, I don't like it. He'd be like, I don't care, mom. Listen. <laughs> well, my son would say, do you not realize as a parent that you will have to do things that you don't like oh, for the God. benefit of your he child? give it to you straight up. Girl, I tell you, I tell everybody, oh, I don't know if it's because it was just him and I for so long or, or what it was, but he is 
Yeah, it's like the parent. A grown baby. That's what this baby's new nickname is lately. Man baby. A little man baby. Girl, his teachers, even in kindergarten, would say, I feel like I'm talking to an 80-year-old man. <laughs> but no, I always talk to him, even when he was a baby, I'd pick him up from daycare and I'd be like, you know, how was your day? Did you have fun? And he'd be blah, 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 not, you know, not even saying words. And I'm like, really? So I've always talked to him like that. I don't know if that's what it is or if it's the old soul, but yeah. I, t- I have to tell him a lot of times, I'm like, you are not the parent. <laughs> That is so funny. That's part of my like shameless plug about breastfed babies is that they have like a higher eight percent higher intelligence rate because they use their mouth. Ah, there you go. That explains it. They use them muscles and they get to working. Yep, that's a good reason to breastfeed right there. It's a decent reason. I mean, among oh, there's so many. I find it interesting. You talk about research. The research is just now finding good reasons for dad. Scientific yeah. reasons for dad for breastfeeding. He's like, oh, sorry, it took so long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, it took us so long. No, but um, yes, our words are really something. And I really appreciate even this conversation with you because I know like there's there is still so much struggle, you know, for me still wanting certain things from the family. And so this conversation has been really helpful for me. Because I still see, you know, you still see this kind of vision, this kind of like uh, idyllic Brady Bunch. Yeah, like everyone raising the babies, you know, everyone Mm. participating. It's like a big deal. Yes. You go with your girlfriends and they're like loving all over them. And you're like, man. (laughs) Uh huh. Yep. Man, I sure wish these children would love on them like that. Sometimes I think they might just be scared of them. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> they're big. Yep, exactly. Well, Jennifer, thank you again for being a guest. We really appreciate it. And I do want to have you back. Yeah. Because we didn't even talk about being a step-grandparent. And I want to talk about that. Yeah. So That's- let's plan on having you back really soon because I think it's important to talk about being a step-grandparent. Mm-hmm. It is. Lori, you are the best. Oh, thank you. You're the best. <laughs> You're a breastfeeding machine, lady. You're the best. <laughs> Don't I? I got your milk when you're ready. Okay? That's it. <laughs> popsicles over here. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. We had that. None of that. <laughs> I keep thinking about it. I was like, oh, I was just going to be in this freezer. I don't know what. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, you have a nice remainder. Enjoy. Thank you so much again. Thank you. We had talked about at one point addressing your stepkids or acknowledging your stepkids as your stepkids, separate from your bio kids, whatever, right? Mm -hmm. And some people have asked me about me saying I'm a step-grandma. Why do you say that? Well, because that's what I am. Plus, Jackson hadn't had a baby. So it distinguishes who in the family has had babies. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because if you tell somebody you're a grandma, they very easily could say, Oh my God, Jackson had a kid. Yeah, he, he just graduated high school and he's already got a kid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> People do it every day. <laughs> well, I mean, it was all he could do to wait till after high school. <laughs> but my dad said something the other day. He was here and he said, but it gets to the point that it doesn't matter and you love them. And I said, oh, I love them, but I'm the step grandma. That's reality. 
Yeah, it's funny when people don't 100% kind of grasp the mindset shift that has to happen. Yep. And it's not easy. Nope. Honestly, it was easier to say the stepkids weren't my kids than it's easier to say that I got step grandbabies. Maybe you should say it's my stepkids' kids. Hey, there you go. <laughs> my stepkids' kids. It's my stepkid once removed. <laughs> <laughs> once I wish they would have been removed. Anyway. <laughs> Jen talks about before she had kids. She was very judgmental. So before she had kids of her own, she was judgmental Jen. <laughs> a judgmental of what? Of other people who did have kids? Parenting, all that stuff. Oh, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. If I was a parent, I would do it this way. Well, you, you're not a parent. It's apparent that you're not a parent. <laughs> <laughs> or... Like we've said before, people will say, well, I love them like my own. And I say, oh, well, how many kids do you have? None. <laughs> I love them like my imaginary kids. I love, you can say, I love them like I think I would love my own. But then when you have your own, you'll say, Lori, I was wrong. Mm-hmm. We've had people do that too. Yep. This is what gets me. People always try to say love has to be the same across the board. That... Mm-hmm. Love isn't different. It is different. Mm-hmm. I love our dogs differently. I love my son differently than I do your kids. I love your kids differently. Mm-hmm. And it's okay. And the same with ranking. Oh, he loves his kids more than me. A lot of stepmoms say that. Why would you say that? It's a different kind of love. Yep. It's actually... Something that years ago in the, I mean, in biblical times, they had different words for it. And so there were different types of love, different words for that, different types of love. But when, even when the biblical books were translated, they just simply stuck the word love in there because we didn't have an English word that would map across accurately Mm -hmm. because we didn't have different levels of love. But that's something that, Way, 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 way back thousands of years ago, that's how it was. And that's truly how it is, like you just mentioned. Mm-hmm. Like for you, I have husband love. <laughs> for baby boy, I have baby boy love. For the step-grandbabies, I have step-grandbaby love. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, you wouldn't look at your kid and say, I love you like my husband. <laughs> That'd be gross. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when you put it in that perspective, people are like, no, that's not what I meant. Well, yeah, because it's a different kind of love, just like we were saying. Yep. <laughs> exactly. So here's the thing. You don't have to love your stepkids like your own. You don't have to love your in-laws like your own. You don't have to yeah. love anybody. Love everybody uniquely. Right. And stop trying to compare <laughs> the type of love that you have for different people. All right, folks, that is our show for today. Remember to join us next week when we'll talk more about love. (laughs) (laughs) No, we won't. (laughs) All right, but we do want to remind you that life is always good. When you nacho. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Nacho Kids podcast. Find us online at nachokids.com. 
Until next time, remember, life is good when you nacho.